Hello and a welcome to Rubber Duck Dev Show. It's almost Halloween, so we're going to figure out what to do with scary stuff next week. But anyway, we're talking about fun stuff tonight. We're going to talk about CICDs. What? Yippee. Woohoo. Um, so it's uh, something I really like. I love automation. So, and CICD. <laughs> well, most programmers like automation. That's why they're yeah, programmers. Yeah, but, but. Well, Anytime hmm. you have to do something more than once, programmers are like, I got a way to, aut I got to automate this some way. Yeah, but you'd be surprised how many people, how many big shops I run into that don't use CICD. Well, not big shops, but, you know, people that don't use CICDs. And it's, that's a huge automation win. Well, okay. We'll talk more about what CICD means. But before we get into that, What'd you do this week? So since we were off, we actually had about two weeks. Oh, two weeks, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, did about half and half Postgres Girl Consulting, half work on my SaaS app. Uh, did a fair amount of Sassy. Postgres uh, consulting with regards to query optimization work. So work with clients to help optimize different queries to help them make more efficient use of their database. I worked on some uh, monitoring project as well to better monitor to Postgres. In terms of stuff I worked on for my own application, uh, built out more of a the GraphQL API and uh, did a bunch of feature development, mostly around email marketing stuff and then some other customer requests. But, oh man, the thing that's a pain in you know, my rump is dealing with my particular application is dealing with form spam. Oh God. So like, imagine you have, you know, a sign up form or, or whatnot, having tons of people spam that is continuing to be a challenge. And it's, you know, you have your day planned, Hey, I'm going to work on feature X, Y, and Z. And now suddenly you're essentially under attack. Mm -hmm. And you got to somehow mitigate it and build the barrier higher. So it's, you know, the spammers do something and then you build a wall to this level and the spammers do something else and they got to build the wall even, you know, higher and yeah. whatnot. And you keep getting forms saying it's time to, to buy your extended warranty for your car. Yeah. Well, I mean, but that's, that's different. That's, that's something I can easily ignore, but when it's, yeah, but it, when you're talking about, people trying to spam the form and they're literally sending, and it's not as simple as like using, like in the Rails world, you have rack attack that can do some exponential back offs of people by like different parameters that are sent by the form or even IP address. Like that doesn't work so well when they're contacting you with thousands of IP addresses. So they've got some sort of bot network or they're doing something else where literally they have thousands of different IPs content and no one is used, none of them are used to say more than say 10 times. So trying to do an exponential and, and easy, quote unquote, easy exponential backup IP address just doesn't work. Yeah. So you got to get more creative and do different things. And some of those things may have additional costs involved. So yeah, not fun. Yeah, freaking hackers. <laughs> so that's pretty much most of what I was working on. Fun. Well, I was, um, I, I ended up past two weeks, I had a lot of support stuff going on too. Big client support things. So I was doing a lot of log farming and parsing and, uh, but, you know, sometimes you just got to do those kind of things. Um. But, so is it trying to understand kind of like there was some issue and just trying to understand the source of it? Yeah. And, you know, when you got big clients and they say, well, we want to know what happened here. Well, oh, you got to be able to tell of, them what okay. happened here. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, when the big client asks, you answer. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And so, you know, you go fishing around in logs. Um, fortunately, we've got. Uh, data dog that we use, which is really nice for log searching. So, um, 
that was helpful. But also into some new projects and new feature things and and um got to start a big new feature um for one of the products and it, it gave me an opportunity to kind of go back and reevaluate how I start laying out tests for things like this um and getting my kind of test test bed set up before I start actually coding um and how to work that and communicate all that with teams and it worked out they they have cucumber set up there and if you guys have watched one of our early shows on testing you know I'm not a huge fan of cucumber but um the reason they put it in was because they wanted to be able to print off docs from the tests and use that as kind of the documentation, which was kind of the point of Cucumber. So fine. I just don't think it's necessary anymore. And one of the things I did with this test bed was I went in and I set it up with just RSpec and then ran the RSpec with the documentation format and was able to show them, hey, look, you can do this stuff just with RSpec and it's not as cumbersome and bloated as cucumber um you know i can still get documentation looking stuff out of rspec if i just think about how i'm setting my tests up so that was a that was a nice little little thing to work on while i was actually producing something of business value as well so now did did they appreciate that do they, or they say yeah, well, when I came in, I mean, I was I wasn't shy about voicing my opinions about cucumber, and okay. it's not you know it wasn't just like oh I hate this sucks it was here's why I don't like using it type of thing. And now, is cucumber still? Because I remember it made things more it made things slower when I used it years and years ago. Is it still a dog uh -huh. in terms of performance? Oh yeah. Well, because essentially it's an extra layer on top of RSpec or test unit yeah, or whatever you're putting okay. on top of. Plus, then you got to learn the DSL. Plus, the way you have to write the all the bits and pieces to run the the when statements and the and statements, and so you you bury the code up under stuff, and it's hard to troubleshoot and trace through and figure out what's going on. And it, uh, so I'm trying to to get them to stop. <laughs> That. I'm like, look, I can write integration tests in RSpec that are faster and just as good for documentation as Cucumber. Yeah. Right. So anyway, that's that's the fun little thing I've been doing for the past couple of weeks, that and, and the log farming. And, and I'm trying to figure out some ways to automate some of this log farming so I don't have to go in there and do it. <laughs> And back to the automation. Mm -hmm. I, they called me twice after that. I said, eh, it's time to automate. <laughs> anyway. Well, this is a good lead into our topic this evening. Right. So one of my actual favorite automation, autom automas, automa Easy for you to say. <laughs> sure. One of my favorite ways to automate, to automate, is um, the CICD tools. Now, Okay, let's let's start with what is CI/CD. So CI/CD stands for Continuous Integration, Continuous Deployment, or Continuous Delivery, depending on who you ask. But it's the same thing. Um, I see it written both ways, half of the time. So um, doesn't matter. But what it is basically, so there's two parts to it. So the continuous integration is is really a methodology, and it's a methodology of small code changes with frequent commits so you do little incremental baby step progress um constantly instead of hey let's spend six months on this huge project feature with all these things and this new stuff and just deliver it all at once no it's let's do a1 then a2 then a3 and just keep plugging it forward right build it incrementally Right. So it's a methodology and a mindset is what continuous integration is. A lot of people, when they hear CICD or continuous integration, they immediately start thinking of the tools that help you implement that. But that's not what it is. It's not the tools. It's the methodology. Um, and then the, the CD part, the continuous 
deployment or continuous delivery is just how do you automate the deployment pipeline and that now that's a now that's a good point that you're bringing up is that there's the methodology and those are separate from the tools because i would say i practice continuous integration and continuous deployment or continuous delivery however i don't use some of the tool sets you're going to cover right and that's what a lot of people, when I say, hey, are you using continuous integration? If I go and talk to people, they're like, no, we don't have Jenkins or anything like that. I'm like, that's not, that's fine, but you can still do continuous integration without, you know, the, the tools, those online automated tools. I highly recommend the online automated tools in, in a lot of cases, but you don't have to have those to practice continuous integration. That's a mindset and a methodology. Um, and for the most part, I think most developers now have that mindset. Um, I run into very few that, that don't have, cause it's kind of just the agile mindset, small, continuous yeah. improvements, you know, they've just kind yeah, of, I've had it. a couple of, I've had a couple of customers ask me, I think in during evaluation phase, phases for my progress, like, okay, well, what version is this? And what do you do about, you know, when do you release your versions? I'm like, I release four versions a day, maybe five, six, if I feel like, you know, it's right. <laughs> Every and, commit is essentially can be a new version. So, right. And we do CI at, at work. But, and we also do semantic versioning with it. We release very frequently, but we still keep track of versions. We have version numbers. We just have a lot of them that move real fast. But we have to do that otherwise because we have a lot of different services going on and packaging and different customers that need different packaging and stuff. And if we don't track the versions, nobody will have a clue what's going on anywhere. The support team, the infra team, the, the different... Uh, architecture teams, it, it'd be a mess. And my version is essentially, or, or for the version for my product is essentially what Git commit was, you know. Yeah, your, your commit shell. Exactly. Yeah. Which is fine. I mean, that's, that's a version. Yep. Not a terribly readable version, but you don't necessarily need to read it all the time. So... All right. I mean, it's not anything that we publish for customers, for example, because there's no sure. need to, because it's just, you know, released and live. Yeah. And I've seen people too, their versioning is just a Git tag with the, with the release date or yep. some form of the release date, you know, that's their version. Um, because they just don't release more than one a day. Or if they do, they put the date dot a <laughs> or dot one or dot, you know, I'm a big fan of the, the standard semantic versioning, but it's not a requirement. Um, especially if you're, if you're a small shop, you know, if you're, if you're a one person or if you just got a couple of people having specific version controls and version numbering schemes, isn't as important. I still do yeah. it even when I'm working on side projects and stuff, because I'm used to doing that and my brain likes it, but well, I mean, I think it's anytime you have to build something um, or you're delivering, delivering code to like an external party. So if you're like releasing a new version of a library that's used by other people, I see versioning that. Mm -hmm. Or if it's something people are going to be installing on their machine, I definitely see being more careful, explicit about the versions. Right. Yeah. If you're doing like .NET development, desktop development, you need versions yeah. for that. So if yeah. your customer calls, you could say, Hey, what version are you running? You know, you got to, whereas, know. you know, when you're talking about a website where you can release at any point and you know exactly what the version is at any one time and you can make changes immediately to it, then it matters right. less in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So, we talked about what CI/CD is. Uh, what are the benefits of it? So, this is the, this is a lot of common sense type things, but 
people don't really think about it, and I think it's a good idea to think about it. So why do you do these small code changes, frequent commits? Why is that a good thing? Well, first of all, small code changes have fewer unintended consequences. If you make monolithic changes to your code, especially on bigger projects, you may break stuff that you have no idea you're even interfering with. But if you have little tiny changes, you limit the scope of what you could possibly break. Um, so you don't have to think as far out with those small changes. Um, fault isolation is a lot faster because if I put this out there as a release candidate on a staging environment, on a production environment, anywhere where it's going to get run and tested, if something happens, I've got a much smaller change set to look at so I can quickly identify where the issue is. Which means that overall, I'm spending a lot less time on my debugging steps. Which means I can spend a lot more time on product evolution. And that goes faster. Um, also, smaller updates are less disruptive, not only to your customers who have to get used to new things and feeding them little bits at a time is much easier on their brains than here's a complete revamp. You've got to relearn it all. Here's your new book. Um, but it's also less disruptive to other devs in the in, on the team, because especially if you've got multiple service architectures, because if I make changes. It, it may affect other services that other team members are working on and they have to change in reaction to my changes. Well, if I'm, you know, completely rewriting my API from the ground up, well, that's a big deal for other guys. But if I just say, hey, we need, you're, you're going to get a new tag in this JSON from now on, you know, that's not as big a deal. Um, part of the deployment uh the the cd part of it one of the reasons that that's helpful is because with the automation tools you can schedule those deployments so that they happen at non-critical business hours so if you've got um if your app let's say is a um you know heavily used between 6 30 a.m and 11 p.m eastern standard time that's your biggest time well you can schedule your updates for like two in the morning eastern time when you know you've got the fewest potential impacts being up and and making sure those updates go cleanly it's not always fun at 2 a.m but yeah you can do it <laughs> <laughs> and you do need to you do need to kind of make sure that they go okay if it's if there's any kind of business critical um functionality on the other end you can't just say, oh, well, it's, it's automated, so I don't have to worry about it. No. <laughs> Sorry, but no. Um, so all this stuff helps um, increase the speed of your product improvement. Um, it also helps you make better product decisions because when you're doing the continuous deployment and continuous integration, customer feedback happens more regularly and faster. So when you have to make business decisions, you've got more information to make those and you're able to adjust to your customers' needs much faster because you know what they are right away. Um, so the CICD stuff is all about making your overall process faster and getting more information from it in a more timely manner. Yeah, one thing I was thinking about a so like one of the downsides of not doing continuous integration is that imagine you're working with a client and you're saying, okay, we're going to have a release. Uh, you know, we release once a quarter, for example. So a counterpoint to not doing CI/CD. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be once a quarter. All right, we got to plan what to put in it. So you're working with the client, and then you're trying to develop towards that quarter release, and then suddenly there's client comes to you and say, hey, can, can we add this in? Hey, can we add this in? And then there's, you have to stop it or you got to try to jam it in there. And then people were working harder or they're putting extra hours in to try to jam it in. Cause oh my God, there's, gosh, there's this one date and we got to make it. We got, you know, mm -hmm. so 
this avoids all of that pressure, I guess we'll say. Right. Well, it, I mean, unfortunately, it doesn't always avoid all of it, but it certainly mitigates a lot of it. Yeah, um, well, I mean, yeah, a lot of, a lot of, so basically things are much easier to reason about when they're shorter spans of time and to figure out how long something will take. Right. Because we still, we still, you know, we have one week sprints. Yeah. Right. And um, we still deal with, in the middle of the week, we'll get, oh, can you guys change, we've, we've had this thing come up, so we need this to be the emergency, and can you put, uh, okay, but. You know, at least they're smaller things. It's like one sentence changes instead of book level changes. How could there be? Sorry, I was like, what kind of emergency would you don't well, have to explain anything? No, but but I'm mean, just saying, like, like when your customers have customers and something happens out there, you know, or they're yeah, integrating yeah, yeah. with your system, and then their system goes screwy, or some knothead over there changes something in their system. You know, it can happen. But, uh, but yeah, it definitely reduces that. Um, so, hey, we've got some folks in chat. Uh, howdy, howdy. Welcome. Thank you. Rustam Alakov. I'm sorry if I'm butchering your name. I'm from the southern U.S. So I can barely speak English, much less anything else. So, uh, but welcome. We're glad you're enjoying the show. Um. So, tools. So let's talk about the tools. Um, so, so we said at the beginning that CI/CD is the methodologies, not the tools. However, the tools are an important part of um, being able to use and implement this methodology if you are in situations that need it. Um, so for instance, what we're talking about is the online, the CICD um, online software as a service things. Uh, we'll look at some specific ones, but um, basically what those are, those tools are, is they're kind of glorified script runners. They run, they run triggered scripts, they schedule them, they execute them. Uh, based on triggers in your, your development environment, they can automatically fire off things, and they just facilitate this methodology. So what are some of the things they could do? Well, they can run test suites or parts of a test suite when you push a PR or when you do a push or a merge into your master branch, or you can set up all kinds of things. A lot of them will integrate with GitHub, so it knows, hey, they just put a PR up. I'm going to pop off the test suite before anybody even bothers to check it to make sure that, you know. Or And you can also do things like you can break up your test suite in the CICD so it knows that, hey, if I'm deploying this part of the architecture, I run this set of tests. If I'm deploying this part of the architecture, I run this set. And you can do all kinds of neat things with them. Um, you can also have them automatically run all the code analysis stuff like Brickman and RuboCop and RubyCritic and all, you know, I'm talking about the Ruby things, but it can so run. So those are, yeah, so those are security scanners, uh, static code analyzers, right. linters, things like that. Right. So you can have those automatically run. And then what happens is, the CI/CD once it runs that it'll it can report back the success or failure and tell you hey this is what happened. Um, it you can make it part of your build pipeline too, so you can have it build packages. You know if it's a lot of stuff that you have to build, or you know you can have it do it your deploys for you. It, it can run things like um, build your your uh, Docker images and deploy your Docker's. It can. It, anything you can run with a script in a command line, it can do. Um, and then some. Plus all the scheduling and stuff and the triggering, so you don't have to remember to go run your specs. It just does it when you do a push. Um, so when is it worth it? The, the CICD tools. 
Um, well, when is CI/CD worth it? I would say always. You should always have a continuous integration um, mindset when you're developing, even if you're by yourself on a small side project. It it's just a good habit to get into, and I've never seen a downside to that mindset. Twenty years of doing this, I see plenty of downsides to not having that mindset. Um, and I've suffered from many of them myself. So always do that. But when is it worth it to spend some money on the CI/CD tools or invest the time? At least some of them are free, so some of it's just time investment. Um, it's helpful when you're on larger teams of developers uh, because you've got people pushing um, code from all over the place. Um, so it's good, especially if you're a project manager, it's, it's a good way to kind of keep your finger on who's pushing what, where, and how, if they're breaking anything or how their put changes are affecting. Um, if you've got large test suites that take more than five or 10 minutes to run your complete test suite, it's a good idea because then I can have it running in the background off of one job. I can keep working on other things in other branches and it can report back to me when it's done and tell me, now you got failures and here they are. Go fix them. Um, so in terms of your workflow, so presumably, like, do you, when you're working in a, in the big projects you've worked in, do you run local tests for the area of the code that you're working in, make sure they pass, and then you push it up and rely on the CI system to run all the tests? Yes. Or what does the workflow look like? Or how do you narrow it down to only testing certain areas yeah so local locally or whatever right so if i'm working <clears throat> on a bug fix or a new feature since we tend to scope them fairly small even new features we won't go too big with we'll go instead we'll go hey okay feature part a let's work that but we'll write the local tests i'll run local tests i'll run the the stuff that i've written the tests i've written then i'll run the the tests that are in that whole file or that whole section of stuff. And then I'll just push it up to a PR and say, okay, we use Travis. And I'll say, okay, Travis, knock yourself out. Let me know when you're done. I'm working on other stuff now. And I'll switch to another branch or work on a background project or do some administrative cleanup mess or, you know, things like that. But I can be doing something useful instead of tying up my machine with running the the, um, the full test, test suite. full test suite and with us our full test suite on my local machine takes almost an hour the other fantastic thing about these CICD tools is a lot of them will do parallel runs so you can we just split up our test suite into sections and each section gets run in parallel on a on a different instance up there. So that means up there, it takes 15 to 20 minutes. Yeah. So that's another big, big joy. Um, it, it's really useful if you've got multiple services, if your architecture is like an SOA architecture or something like that, because um, I can... I, I'm working on my little service, my little corner of the world. I can put it up to the CICD and it can make sure that I'm not getting ready to dork up somebody else's weekend because I've just broken their part of the world. Right. Yeah. Essentially your, your integration tests. Right. Does this integrate with everything else? Yep. Harmoniously. Yeah. Um, these are great. If you have complex build scenarios, for instance, let's say that, you know, just pushing up to a um, production environment, not that big a deal in most cases. But let's say, for the sake of argument, that I have a big project that's an SOA project, so I've got all kinds of little services everywhere, that also has 
several very big customers that have customizations that need special builds for their stuff, right? So I've got my main product and then four different little custom builds that have to pop off every time. Well, the CD can just take care of that for me. Just, I've pushed it, go, release, do the thing. And then I just check on the other end and say, did the thing happen okay? Um, so that's really nice. So when you have complex build scenarios with with something more than, hey, just push it, yep. uh, th these become very useful. Um, so those are the times when it's really worth investing the time and or money into tools like this. Um, I will say that even if you're a small, small shop, or you don't have to worry a lot about complex builds or, you know, in your test, full test suite only takes five or 10 minutes. So what's the big deal? It's still probably worth checking out some of these and playing with them because most of them will have a free tier that you can play with. And one of them we'll look at is completely free open source anyway. Um, but, and most of them don't take a tremendous amount of learning to get something useful out of them. So I, I highly recommend at least just messing with them a little bit and seeing what they can do for you. All right, so let's take a little look at some of the specific ones. So we're going to start with Jenkins. This is kind of the CICD granddaddy. Um, the, it's an open source thing. It's a, a self-hosted, which means you have to get it down, install it, host it, do it all on your network and all that kind of stuff. So there are, you can get this hosted by company. There are companies that host this for you and let you integrate. But, um, one of the big draws of Jenkins is it's open source. It's free. So. Did you say this is what your current company is using? No, we use Travis. Travis, Travis, right, right, gotcha. Yeah. And we'll look at that one too, because that one I know pretty well. But um, Jenkins is... An acquired taste? <laughs> we'll say that. I mean, it's good. <laughs> but it's it's a little, little more difficult to get into than some of the other ones, in my experience anyway. Maybe I'm just dumb. Well, I am dumb, but it, it's it's not that it's bad. It's just there's a little more learning curve to it. Yeah, I mean, I've never used Jenkins, but you know, when when I was looking at some of the links beforehand, I saw that um, okay, open source. That usually means the barrier to entry is going to be a little bit higher, right? And number two, oh, it uses Java. Okay, joy. The barrier just went up just a little bit more. <laughs> right. So, and, and it's a little older. I mean, it's been around for quite a while. Um, and not to say that it's bad. It's just, no, no, I no. can imagine the hurdle is, is a bit higher. Yeah. And a lot of, a lot of big companies and big shops use Jenkins. I mean, it's, it's well used. So, um, would I, if I had to pick one today, would this be the one I picked? Probably not. Um, because there are, I would be willing to bet there are at least 200 CICD tools out there. Yeah, yeah, If yeah. not more. Um, and we're, no, we're not going to look at every, them all tonight, but. Every developer wants to build the better, the better mousetrap. Right, yeah, thing. exactly. <laughs> so uh, this one I think has gotten, for, for my tastes, has gotten a little long in the tooth, but it's still useful. It still does what it does, and there's a lot of big companies that use it, so. Um, there's an update to it called Jenkins X, which is built more for like, um, Docker and Kubernetes, 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 Kuber, the Kubers. I say Kubernetes. I don't know. <laughs> uh, the K class. Um, it's built more for those things. Uh, but it's still kind of, and it's kind of updated Jenkins a little bit, giving it a bit of a facelift. So if you were going to go the Jenkins route, I would probably check this out first uh, and see if that'll work for you. 
Uh, I think this may be a little better experience at this point. Uh, but that's that's another one. It's Jenkins X. Travis. So this is the one I use currently. I've used several of these, but this is the one I'm working in now. Um, it's nice. I mean, it does what it does. It does it well. Um, and it, one of the things to say about all these is it, the long and short of it is they're all glorified script runners, right? So there's not a whole lot that they can do other than interface things to differentiate um, and, and price. So, you know, it's kind of hard to say, well, this one's better than this one. It's more like, well, this one looks nicer to my eyes than this one. Is is the big difference, really? Um, but anyway, Travis, they've got a free tier, um, where you can ten thousand credits, and all these things integrate with a lot of you know Bitbucket, um, GitHub, GitLab, all those things. They integrate with them so that you can set up your triggers for these uh, things, and they're not terribly. I mean, for free. 10,000 credits is probably enough for most people to run basic stuff on. Um, you generally with the free tiers, you can only run, you don't get the parallel processing a lot of times. You can run one job at a time. Yeah. But that's still, yeah. fine. if I can automate my deploy process and I don't have to sit there and type in a command line, that's worth free. Um, so anyway, GitLab is one of the newer ones. I don't mean like it came out last week, but it's on the newer end of the spectrum. Um, I haven't actually played with this one yet. I'm hearing a lot of nice things about it. Um, again, it has a free tier that looks to be pretty nice. 400 minutes per month. Which is not a lot if you're a business trying to use this, or if you've got an actual product where you're doing four or five releases a day. Um, unless you've got a super quick. Um, I mean, that's probably this is probably good for like open source projects, smaller yeah, yeah. ones, and stuff like that. Yeah. You know your little side projects that you're working on, or ways to play with CI/CDs and find out more about them, that kind of thing. Um. Circle CI. So this is this is one that has been around for a little while. Certainly not nearly as long as Jenkins, but it's it's matured decently well. And um I hear a lot of good things about this. I haven't actually used this, but I'm getting ready to sign up for it the free tier and play start playing with it on a little side project that I'm doing. My little funsy programming project. Because I want to see what all the hubbub is about in circle ci so i'm gonna play with that and uh i'll let you guys know if uh what i learn about it um over the next few weeks but um circle ci is another one bamboo this is atlassian's um one i'm not the biggest fan of atlassian's products I don't think they're bad. They just don't light my fire. Uh, Jira and stuff like that. So this one isn't for me, but I, I don't... I When I was researching it, I didn't see anything wrong with it. I didn't see any reason not to use it, except it's not the prettiest one to my eyes. So, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, Team City is another one that's used quite a bit. It's made by JetBrains. Um... So that's one to check out. Pretty sure that, yeah, they have a, a free tier um, or a 14-day trial. Um, so you can play with that. Codeship is highly touted as well. It's used quite a bit. Um, I think, if I remember right, it's kind of built on top of Jenkins. Um, it's kind of a, this is kind of this improved Jenkins software as a service platform type thing. 
with extra stuff sprinkled in. Um, but it is, as I recall, it's a bit on the expensive side. There is a free tier, though. But of course, one thing I didn't like about their website is it was hard to find their pricing, which is not usually a good sign. Anyway, they have. A I, I keep seeing the word enterprise, which translates to dollar signs. Uh -huh. But I can't remember where I found their pricing. I had to dig around for quite a while to find it. But there is a free tier here. But their non-free tiers seemed to be more expensive. To be fair, I don't think it's unreasonable for what they're providing. But this is not a... Um, this isn't a lower-end CICD. Um, this is more of an enterprise-level thing, or seems to be. Again, I haven't actually personally used this one. But... It seemed to be part of a suite of tools that CloudBees does for um, DevOps stuff. So, anywho, that's the skinny on CICDs. Um, so, out of curiosity, if you were to start your own project and choose one, which tool do you think you would go with or... Which one or two or even three would you consider out of curiosity of the ones you just presented? So for sure, Travis, because I've got experience with it and I know it works well. Um, I've got no complaints about it from what I've done with it. Um, GitLab is, is one that I'm interested in taking a look at because it looks like it has some in in interesting features. Some <laughs> I told you I couldn't speak English very well. Um and Circle CI, I'm getting ready to do. I'm I'm starting myself a little project just because there's some things I want to experiment with in Rails and stuff. Um, and so I'm gonna play with Circle CI because it looks like it's neat. I've heard a lot of good things, and it'll give me some insight into another one. Um, so I'm gonna play with that, and it looks like it'd be a good one. Um I've not heard a lot of bad things about CI CDs, any any of them. Um, so what I've been looking at is, do they look like they have a nice interface that's easy to get into? And are they reasonably priced? Do they have a free tier I can play with for unlimited time? If it's just a 14-day trial, I'm probably like, why? There's 400 other ones that have a free tier that I can play with and see if I like them for as long as I want. So, yeah. you know, at this point, I... I you're going to lose the competition if you charge it too much because that's really the biggest differentiator anymore with these. Um, biggest one I've seen, anyway. So, uh, speaking of that, um, I, I was thinking about when I get this little side project going, um, streaming some of the times I work on it just to... Get out here and crunch code and stuff on this channel a little bit. So, um, it, you know, if you guys, if that's something you guys would like to see, throw in the comments down there that you would. Um, and I'll think about doing that and, and put up a schedule or something. Or it may just be a whenever I get the itch to code. But it's just going to be a little funzy open source project that's not going to be terribly useful to anybody. It's more of a playground type thing. I just want to get in the sandbox and build sandcastles, play with tools and toys and stuff. So if that's something you guys would be interested in seeing a live stream of, of us getting in there and just hacking around in code and playing with these products, um, let us know uh, because I'm thinking about doing that. Just had the itch to program something fun lately instead of programming for money. Anyway, hope you guys enjoyed that show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for tuning in. And if you did enjoy that, please don't forget to mash that like button and subscribe so you know when we go live. Join us on 
uh, rubberduckdevshow.com and subscribe. Uh, join our email list so you can get our newsletter. And so you don't miss the stuff there. We we put up, uh, well, Creston puts up all of our videos up to there and makes them all pretty and formatted and stuff. And uh, we are actually on all of the podcast suppliers now. We got iTunes. Or, or main. <laughs> well, yeah, all the ones that are worth having. You know, if we're not on there, um, you know, it would it would be better if we were there. But anyway, you know, we're on the we're on the big ones now because you know we're so big and awesome. Anyway, um, guys, enjoy that. Um, Rustum, so short. Yeah, I know. Um, but all right, maybe they'll get longer. I don't know. But I'm old. I can't stay up late. I fall asleep. You know how it is. You want to know how to fall asleep in a chair? Be old. Sit in a chair. That's <laughs> That's where I'm at, dude. Uh anyway. Um Yeah, so uh next week we have um another topic. Yeah, another topic that we haven't <laughs> talked about. Hold on, we got questions. Maybe we can make the show a little longer. All right, what do you think about new MacBook Pros? Are they ready for developers? Well, the M1 chips. I don't, I'm, hmm, I'm not the best person to comment on that because I don't use Macs. I use Windows or Linux, mostly Linux. Um, they, From what I've heard, they sound awesome. But the thing about it is, because actually someone was just asking me if I ever owned a Mac and I've actually never owned a Mac and it's not because I love windows so much, but you know, it's essentially the M one chips may have changed this, but you can get a standard AMD or an Intel based laptop that can run windows and you can install <laughs> Linux on it instead. And you'll get us double the performance for the same price or the same performance for half the price. But the, M the M1 chips may have changed that. So it does look, so does look awesome. And, you know, tons of the Rails developers I know, and, uh, you know, even other de non-Rails developers I know, they use Macs. So that it sounds like an incredible improvement. But I have yet to own a Mac. <laughs> yeah, I actually have one sitting here next to me. That's what my work computer is, a Mac. They sent me a Mac because they didn't ask, but you know, that's fine. Um, but I actually, I actually, um, remote desktop into it because I don't like Mac keyboards. The, the it, my muscle memory for my PC keyboard. You know, they have a USB. You could probably stick it to it. Right? Well, I know, but they have, then you have to remap the command button and all that stuff. Plus, uh, you know, really? Okay. Yeah. So I, I, I actually have one and you know from a performance point of view i do all kinds of stuff on it and i'm not having any problems so i don't think this well it's probably an m1 because the m1 yeah, chip it is is yeah because they just but sent they it to just me about released, four months ago yeah so they just released the m1 i think max and m1 pro or something like that yeah and it's a macbook pro so uh, so yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess I am a person to speak to it because I program on it on a daily basis and it works like a champ. So if you're a Mac person, go for it. Um, but I, I just, yeah, I'm not a Mac person, not really a windows person either. I'm more of a Linux person, but I guess Mac is closer to Linux than windows is. So there's something, um, anyway, yeah. Uh, thanks for the question, man. Um, anytime, anything you want to talk about, just pop in and talk. Um, we will probably be doing more streaming. I, I think uh, I'm seriously thinking about doing this live coding stuff. So that'd be a great opportunity to come in and just chat about things. Because then I can talk while I'm coding and I won't get bored. I won't get bored anyway. Anyhow. All right. Uh, ramble, ramble, ramble. Um, so, hope you guys enjoyed that. Mash the like button, subscribe, 
you just mash all the buttons and ding all the bells, whichever Twitch or YouTube that you're seeing this on or whatever, you know, the interwebs. Um, we'll be back next Wednesday. We haven't picked out a topic yet, but I don't know. Maybe we'll just get on here and make faces at the camera or something. I don't know. Anyway. That's Halloween. Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Halloween. We'll wear a mask or something. Anyway, surprise topic. Just, you know, go sign up for a newsletter. You'll find out there. <laughs> Anywho. Oh, my God. I'm just not. I'm never going to shut up. All right. <laughs> um, hope you, hope you guys enjoyed that. We will see you next week. And until then, happy programming. Happy programming. Bye.